Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rupmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. How is there still room for cases to start rising again, particularly in Maharashtra? It's one year and 37 days since the first novel coronavirus case was discovered in India and we are reporting 11,229,681 confirmed cases with 157,894 deaths. After a constant daily decline in reported cases since the middle of September, there's been a worrying rise over the last few weeks. To some extent, I shouldn't be surprised. I don't think any city is practicing safe behaviors anymore and there are a lot of vulnerable people still out there especially in rural areas. But Maharashtra's numbers surprised and worried me, particularly the numbers for big cities, and that's not just because I'm from Pune. My question was this: How is there possibly still room for new infections given the high seroprevalence reported as far back as July 2020? And does this mean there are reinfections or variants? I think the answers that I got are going to be pretty valuable in my understanding of the future of the pandemic. First, I asked Maharashtra's chief epidemiologist Dr. Pradeep Aute what he thought was happening, and he said there were three factors that explained the current surge. Here's what he said to me over the phone. One, the cold conditions seen in North India in the early part of the year led to cold weather in parts of Maharashtra including in the northeast Vidarbha region. and this could have aided the spread of the virus two on january 15 there were local body elections across 14000 villages in the state and many people returned from cities to cast their votes in the villages potentially taking the virus with them three weddings and other social functions that had been put on hold were held again after we began unlocking leading to the congregation of large numbers of people end quote Now state officials have been superhumanly hard working but one thing that i've realized is that while local officials feel that they can see why their numbers are rising zooming out a bit to the rest of the country often shows you that there's no reason why these factors should explain the surge in maharashtra only and why bihar held a state election in the beginning of winter last year alongside many festivals with little masking and social distancing but didn't see a surge so i asked some more people Murad Banaji is a lecturer of mathematics at Middlesex University in the UK and he's been tracking India's COVID-19 numbers closely. He told me that from the numbers it does not appear that this was an urban to rural wave in that the surge of cases in Pune and Mumbai did not precede that in rural districts. But what is undeniable is that a far larger pool of uninfected people still exists in rural areas compared to urban areas. Here's how Manoj Murhekar, director of the National Institute for Epidemiology and lead author of the Indian Council of Medical Research's National Sero Surveys for COVID-19 explained it to me. From the sero surveys, we know that there is still a high uninfected population in rural areas. It is only in the big cities with high sero positivity like Mumbai and Pune where we are approaching herd immunity. End quote. In districts that are more rural like Akola and Amravati, The new daily COVID-19 numbers are higher than they were when the state experienced its September peak. So that does make sense. But the bigger mystery is what is happening in cities like Mumbai and Pune, where sero prevalence in the population was long estimated to have surpassed 50%. 
For one, there could be parts of these cities' populations that are only now getting exposed to the virus, as they were better able to protect themselves during the earlier surge. Seroprevalence in non-slum areas has always been far lower than in slum areas in Mumbai and Pune, for example. Murad Banaji pointed out to me that although the numbers in Mumbai fell from the September peak, the COVID-19 epidemic never really died out. You were still seeing a few hundred new cases every day. With that low but constant level of prevalence, if you have congregations and improved testing, you're going to once again see new clusters or waves, he said. One such opportunity for congregation was the restarting of trains in Bombay. The other question is whether the rates of detection go up as the previously sheltered wealthy start to get exposed to the virus. Sandeep Juneja is professor at the Tata Institute of Fundamental Research and co-investigator of the Mumbai Cerro Surveys conducted jointly by TIFR and the Mumbai Municipal Corporation. His analysis of their Cerro Survey data found that detection rates are much higher in non-slum than in slum areas. People in their non-slum sample were four to six times more likely to get tested as in their sample of slum people, even as far as back as August 2020 when the epidemic was raging. This impact of better detection was clearly visible in the recent Bengaluru Housing Society outbreak. Giridhar Babu, epidemiologist with the Public Health Foundation of India and co-chair of the City Municipal Corporation's Task Force on COVID-19 Public Health Response, told me. Three days after a party in a housing complex in Bengaluru, some residents took a COVID-19 test ahead of a planned trip to Dehradun. When they tested positive, the Municipal Corporation tested over 1,000 residents of the complex and found over 100 positive cases. Given that the majority of positive cases were asymptomatic, the discovery of the cluster was a clear outcome of testing, Babu said. Could new variants be behind the recent surge? It could be, but we don't know. India has been slow to move, with its genomic surveillance lagging far behind other badly hit countries. Dr. Gagandeep Kang, virologist and professor of microbiology at Christian Medical College in Velur, told me that out of the approximately 300,000 genome sequence strains that were globally available by the middle of January 2021, 150,000 of them were from the UK, and that's why the UK was able to pick up new strains. Other places that are doing good sequencing, she said, are South Africa and to an extent Brazil. So we are seeing variants in places where they are sequencing more. In India, she said, there was initially a huge pitch to sequence, but it turns out we have virtually no strain sequenced after July 2020. At the end of December 2020, the government finally woke up to this and launched the Indian SARS-CoV-2 Genomic Consortia, INSACOG of 10 laboratories to monitor genomic variations on a regular basis. We need to know more about whether new variants are driving the surge because it also has a potential impact on vaccine efficacy. Reinfection also is poorly studied, even though there's some anecdotal evidence. A minister in Maharashtra's COVID-19 hit cabinet is among the most high-profile people to have publicly announced that he recently tested positive for the second time. The ICMR Cerro surveys return to the same districts, but not the same people. So they don't know about the possibility of reinfection yet. In Amravati, some of the samples sent for sequencing are from people who tested positive twice, the head of the district's molecular lab has said. But the lab no longer has the blood samples from the first time that they tested positive. They were destroyed for a lack of storage capacity. 
Finally, there's the question of our over-dependence on and over-interpretation of serosurveys. And in the next episode, Dr. Anup Malani, who led multiple serosurveys in India, will talk to me about it. Over the last few weeks, cases have begun to rise slowly here in Chennai too. It's important to re-evaluate our understanding of herd immunity and to remain humble in the face of this virus. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurthy. On the next episode, a new question.